The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Ashley Abercrombie is breaking the silence and telling the truth about her struggles after rape. And we were having a party in my room and I remember waking up um, to an unwanted sexual assault. Mm. And I think that was one of the most difficult times of my entire life. However, I had so learned to pretend and to perform and to put a mask on and carry on with life. I woke up the next day and went to work as if nothing had happened to me. Coming to your home or wherever you're watching, I'm James Robinson, my wife Betty, and I welcome you to Life Today. Uh, we have got a, a, an incredibly gifted writer, communicator, Ashley Abercrombie, and she has written a book called The Rise of the Truth. By the way, let me just mention this so we're talking about truth. This is not my attempt to be uh, a remake of Michael Jackson, okay? <laughs> this is, I had surgery for carpal tunnel, which I never dreamed that me talking on the phone or using my hands uh, that way could, you know, could cause that. But it, it did, and, and I've had the surgery and just doing well, and this should be off within a week, but you'll have to put up with it this week. But uh, Ashley, we're really, really glad to have you here. She is part of uh, really a staff at, of Liberty Church in, in the Manhattan area, and uh, her husband there is one of the uh, pastors there of the church at uh, had just really been blessed of the Lord, and they just want people to find liberty. And she has been, uh, really she has risen to truth teller, <laughs> and she says that she was taught to tell the truth, but actually began to live something other than the truth. And this is really an amazing story, and, and she's just a, a really, I think, a gift from God to help all of us understand the importance of not only telling the truth, but the truth mm -hmm. that gives us liberty, that sets us free. Would you welcome Ashley to life today? <laughs> We're really glad to have you. Oh, my God. It's such an honor to be here with you guys. Thank you. How's life up there in the big city? Now, just tell me the truth. Is I will it? tell you the truth. It's busy. <laughs> well, it is. And I think that could be because I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh. So I can't tell if it's the city or if it's the toddler years. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> well, a two-year-old and a five-year-old would be a child. Uh -huh. Two boys on top of that. Oh, my yes. Uh -huh. Pray for me. All right. I want you, because we want to cover some ground, because yes. it seems to me very obvious that God's given you a gift. And you're enjoying going out speaking. I am. And sharing. If someone wanted you after hearing you here on Life Today and reading the book or hearing about it, how would they find out how to communicate with you and invite you to their area? Where would they go? Thank you for asking. We'll have a website that's ashabercrombie.org. And on there you can watch me speak. You can invite me to speak. You can check out all my content, my version Bible studies, okay. different things like that on that website. Well, I have a lot of people done that Bible study? Yes. Several hundred thousand? Yes, it's almost 300,000 now. Yeah, I can't awesome. even believe it. It <laughs> makes no great? sense, right? <laughs> and were you just a gifted social uh, person with the social media? Or did you? are you amazed at how this just took off? 
I'm definitely amazed. And at the time when I wrote that Bible study, it was not even, I mean, I wasn't doing that great on social in terms of how to work it and who to, how do you respond to people? Sure, what do you do? Sure. So it really was just a sweet gift from God. I've been writing my whole life. That's great. And so that was just a sweet kiss from heaven. And I think a great encouragement from God that That's I had good. something to say. That's All right. Good. I want you to tell us what, uh, what the implications are here. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, just tell us a little bit about your journey because you've written about it and it's a, uh, captivating, but tell our viewers something about about your own journey, Ashley. Yes, I'd love to. Well, I was raised in the South in North Carolina, and I loved it. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so much to love about being raised in a small town and all the community elements. And, you know, we were raised to tell the truth. We were raised to be truth tellers. You are are honest or you're in trouble. (laughs) And so for me, I really learned that that was telling the truth about other people. (laughs) And so I had to come to a, a fundamental understanding that actually the Lord wanted me to be honest about my own life and about my own journey and about my own struggles. And so as much as I loved growing up in that small town, I feel like I also learned to wear a mask because everybody knew me, but nobody really knew me at all. Mm. And I knew how to mask my pain and I knew how to put it on and act right and say all the right things and do all the right things. But in the same time on the inside, feeling very broken and feeling very lost and feeling very alone. And even though I was in church at a very young age, I walked away as a teenager. And when I went off to my college years, I think I just got so exhausted with pretending and performing Mm -hmm. and trying to keep that mask up and trying to hold it all together. And so I began to use drugs. I began to abuse alcohol. And then in my freshman year of college, developed an eating disorder called bulimia. Mm -hmm. And part of that was me grasping for control. I wanted something to control in my life. And also because I was unable to have reciprocal relationships because I wore a mask so often, I didn't have an outlet for my pain. Mm -hmm. And so bulimia really gave me that. Self-harm is one way that I learned to cope with life. And um, it it came to a head. Let me ask you this question. You're talking about being in an area where you learn to, yeah. you know, mask it. Do you think that in a lot of church settings and religious settings that there's quite a bit of that going on to where people put on a, a, fa- a facade, let's say, of what they think people expect or what they should look like or how they should behave? Do you think you think there's quite a bit of pretense? I do. I think sometimes it's unintentional because I think our relationship with God very often reveals our relationship with others. So if we struggle with grace... To receive God's Mm -hmm. grace, we'll struggle to give it to ourselves, which means we'll struggle to give it to others. And I think the same is true with image. So for so long, I thought God was just sitting up there waiting for me to fail, that he's this angry person that just wants me to get it together, or he's just very aloof. Like Mm -hmm. God created the heavens and the earth, but what does he care about my Mm -hmm. little life? And so I think it was quite a journey for me to understand two things. And one is that God is close and that he's Emmanuel God, God with us, that he's in our pain, that he's not absent in our pain, he's very present in our pain, he's close to the brokenhearted. And the other thing is learning that I'm loved even though I'm broken. And I think that's a powerful fundamental understanding. And when you learn that you're broken, that every person is not exempt from character flaws or Mm -hmm. issues or problems or pain, life happens to us all. And I think when we understand that, we can come to God and come to others knowing that I'm broken and you're broken, but here we are, this great God of grace who loves us. I see you're being, you're just an old, overflow right now and this, this this little spill here of openness and honesty, uh, which is the only way you escape from the facade or the pretense or living as an actor or actress. Yes. Betty, when you came yeah. forward out of the choir mm-hmm. 
Uh, Betty was known as that. I say well, she's... I can, yeah, I, excuse me, I can relate to a lot of that yeah. that you're talking about because I grew up in the church yeah. and I became to uh, understand what was expected of me right. more than what I felt within my own heart yeah. and my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to do those things that would please everybody. Same. But yet, like you, I kind of felt empty inside. Yes. So that can grab the good person, the one that's trying to, to be good and kind and, you know, loving. But yet, there's something missing there. So you've been going yeah. through this facade. Mm -hmm. Now then, you've escaped the facade with the, all the wrong actions. You've gotten into drinking and drugs yes. and all this, and so you just really made a mess. Yep. All right. So. And it gets worse. Okay. Well, let's hear it. I want, I want to hear. I want to take us <laughs> yes. on the whole, the whole truth matter here. Yes. I want to hear it. Well, sophomore year of my um, college experience, I was a resident assistant in our dorm, and we were having a party in my room, and I remember waking up um, to an unwanted sexual assault. Mm. And I think that was one of the most difficult times of my entire life. However, I had so learned to pretend and to perform and to put a mask on mm -hmm. and carry on with life because also I thought that was how you coped with life. I didn't mm -hmm. know you could actually deal with hard things or face your fears or face pain. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do that yet. And I woke up the next day and went to work as if nothing had happened to me and just carried on with my life. And I didn't talk about the sexual assault for several years after mm -hmm. that. And then went on in my college experience and I decided to move across the country because I thought, you know, I'll just run. Let's get away How from everything. How did you deal with the pain of that experience? Mm. Oh, I did, did you it. continue with the things to yes. escape? Yes. In other words, that didn't, that didn't get better. You know, I, I did. I calmed down on drinking and drugs because I didn't like being out of control anymore. And I was afraid of what would happen to me when I was out of control. Okay. And you know, rape is the most underreported crime on in America, and especially on college campus. And one in five reported cases of rape happen on college campuses. Mm -hmm. So this is a really big deal and happens to so many women. I never reported my case, and there's millions of women who are just like me That's who sad. never did that. It is sad. It's even sad that it would happen. Yeah. I it's agree. even sad that anyone would find joy. Yeah. out of forcing themselves on somebody yes. else and call that something meaningful. Yes. I, I, I can't comprehend a lot of things. Maybe we can comprehend sure. some issues and challenges. Sure. How in the world? I never understood, and I don't even to this day, understand how anybody gets joy out of hurting somebody, hmm. uh, causing them difficulty, even in the hazing that goes on in schools. Right. What, what, why would that be fun to make someone miserable? I don't understand yeah. that. I, I don't think I have to understand it. Right. I don't even think it's worthy of attempting to yeah. understand, but how this rape continues, what satisfaction yeah. is there? It's a horrible thought and it breaks my it heart, is. the Me reality too. of it. And Me then you too. were vulnerable because of where you put your life. Exactly. And I think we're all, you know, it comes back to brokenness. We're all very broken. And, and as much as I made difficult choices, I can't imagine being a person who has so dehumanized themselves and others that, you know, something like an unwanted sexual assault would be their choice. That just shows you the deep level of brokenness and pain that people are in. Um, and I've come to a journey in my healing where I can understand that the prey also needs as much help as the predator. Right. Mm. Um, but I went on through my college experience and then decided to move, to run away, get away from my life. I thought, great, I can start over again. Nobody knows me. They don't have expectations of me. And then one week before I was about to move across the country, I found out I was pregnant. Mm. And I didn't think about it. I just went into fix-it mode. I went into like, what are we going to do? And I made an a, appointment at an abortion clinic and went the next morning, had an abortion. Mm. And another thing that I just was like, I never want to talk about this again. I never want to talk about it. And it was the first time in my life that I thought, 
if I don't wake up tomorrow, God, that would be my, my preference. And I moved across the country. And for the first couple of months, it was better because I felt like I don't know anyone, nobody knows me. I can kind of like relax, maybe find a little freedom. And then I found out that everywhere you go, everywhere you go, there you are. Yeah, <laughs> you actually yeah. can't escape yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the pain follows you, you know? So I had to really start looking in the closet of my life and acknowledging that there were real things that I didn't know how to deal with. And I had never had the tools to deal with mm -hmm. and had to find them, had to figure that out. I met these awesome believers on my job and they were the first Christians I'd ever met who were so non-judgmental, and they would come out with me for coffee. They'd ask me to dinner. And then eventually I was like, can I come to church with you? I have never met believers this kind to a crazy person like me. <laughs> and so they, they were wonderful. And I ended up going to their church and it was the start of my faith community. And I heard a woman stand up in church and preach. And not only did she preach, but she told her story of sexual brokenness. And she talked about the abuse in her life. And for the first time I was like, oh, we talk about this. And also God cares about this. And there's an intersection of my pain and my faith. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I just allowed myself to accept God and to allow him back into my life and just say, God, you know what? This is where I am. I can't fix it anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of pretending like I'm coming at you as I am. Like, please make something of my life. And then began the recovery process of, you know, therapy, support groups, serving, all the different things that you do to work the steps. And so now I have 16 years of sobriety under my belt, mm -hmm. which I'm very, very proud <laughs> yeah. of. <laughs> and um, met my husband through that faith community. We have two little boys. Moved to Manhattan, <laughs> where it's wild and crazy. <laughs> not that LA wasn't, it's just a different wild. <laughs> and so God's done so much, and I don't mean to, to shrink that down as if that wasn't a very hard journey, and as if it isn't still painful sometimes. But I think that's the power of truth-telling, is that it never ends. Yeah. You know, truth-telling is strong because we have to take our mask off all the time. Like, we never lose that temptation to value image over integrity. Yeah. That's always going to be a temptation for me. It would be a temptation for me to walk in pride and to not <clears throat> reveal myself mm -hmm. as God created me. And not to reveal what I'm going through, but I have to take that courageous step to do that regularly. And I think it's important for us to teach people how to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, you've told your story beautifully here. I mean, you obviously say you've been writing. You never probably knew it could reach this place and this point. I didn't. But it is. <laughs> when you when you go out and you share your story, mm -hmm. and like you said, now it's nearly 300,000 that have done your Bible yes. study that you put online. Yes. Which is amazing. It's amazing. And it's totally it's crazy. Amazing. I mean, it's the same thing as reading of 300,000 copies of a book. Sure. I pray this goes wow. up hundreds of thousands and even way, <laughs> way past that. What are you seeing happen when the people follow you on your journey and they, they relate to what you're saying? What what are you watching happening that mm. encourages you? I think one of the most powerful things I see happen is that we can normalize other people's experience. So I think so often we think about faith in such... Um, simple terms, and sometimes that's great, but sometimes we're just thinking about victory outcomes or all these different narratives, and we lose sort of the process that it actually takes to live this radical, open, honest faith. And so I think when people journey with me in my writing, not only can they sort of normalize their human experience, like you're not alone in your stuff, you're not alone in your issues, your problems, and your pain, but also it's a process to becoming like God. And God uses everything in our lives. He does not waste anything to teach us how to be like Him, to teach us to walk in integrity, to teach us how to walk in wholeness, like God uses it all. And so I think that's a very valuable thing that I can offer readers, and I'm proud of that. You know, it's mm. a, it's a, and I believe that. You mm. you have the glow and glory of God <laughs> and His you. grace. <laughs> it, it's radiant in you. Thank you. You communicate it. Well, don't you think she communicates your story? <laughs> well? you, really appreciate it, you know, you, you uh, 
you'll, you'll ask God about things all your life that you don't understand or comprehend. Uh, you know, most people say if you lose a child, that is perhaps as great a challenge as a person can endure on this earth. Yeah. And uh, Betty and I lost a child, our, our baby girl, uh, as the mother of teenagers when we lost her. And many, many times I've said, God, how did a girl that believed and had such faith, unshakable faith, how is it that she didn't get well when she trusted so totally, and we all did, and yet she's gone, and God, I just, uh, my heart is broken, and here, here's, the, you don't get a satisfactory answer. Right. In this lifetime, you don't ever get the pat answer. But here's what Betty and I experienced, and by the way, many of you who prayed for us and pray for others in their challenge times, you have no idea the healing power of those prayers. It's miraculous. Well, what God did is he took this couple, and I know I felt him holding me many times, and, and so I'll ask him, God, why, why, did, why did we go through that? And, and it was like he would say, I, I, I know how broken your heart is. I'm holding your broken heart. I want my presence to heal the broken heart with the comfort my presence offers. And James, do you realize that I want to hold every broken heart, every broken life, everyone that doesn't understand? And it's like he said, would you help others understand that as surely as I hold you and Betty and your family in arms of love and comfort, I want to hold everyone. Mm -hmm. And and Ashley, don't you wish everybody would understand that? I do. How much he wants mm -hmm. to hold them. Yes. And if, if our pain and you being able to see that somehow we've not just endured or survived, but we've actually found a peace that passes understanding, not satisfactory answers to every question, but if we can be a blessing and an inspiration to you, then that means so very much. And Ashley, I think that's what you're seeking to do. The book is great. It's in the bookstores. And uh, again, would you just tell the Lord, thank you, and Ashley, for sharing this story. I don't want to hear but uh, as she travels, there's her website again. You can see if you want to contact her and say, would you come share in our area? I believe she'd really bless you. You know, uh, Ashley, I told uh, you and others that are our guests uh, that people will see on our program that we believe our viewers are the most Christ-like, loving people in the world. And all of our mission workers, uh, they say that, that you are. Because you make it possible for them to do what seems to be impossible. And that's to demonstrate the love of God, not just in word, but in action. I, I want you to... Uh, just listen to God when you listen to the heart cry of a love-filled mother. And when you hear the challenge, see if you don't hear, I'm the answer. God's answer through me. Watch.
The pain that comes from losing a child is indescribable. There simply are no words. It is possibly the worst experience one can know in this life. And to realize that your child has died due to malnutrition causes a parent to be riddled with guilt for not being able to provide the necessary food to sustain their child's life. For so many parents, like Margarita, she did all she could for her baby, but it simply was not enough. Margarita's grief became almost unbearable when her youngest child, she now holds in her arms, appeared to have died as well. Just like Margarita has been given a second chance, we now have a chance to be an answer to her prayers. Lord, I want to be an answer. I want to see people's prayers answered. You know, I've, I've said to you many times, I believe if we want our prayers answered, we should seek to be an answer to someone else's prayers. God talks in Isaiah 58 about touching the hungry and the, those who are in need and, and that uh, he'll answer us quickly. He says we'll become a well-watered garden. It's as though when we release life, we receive an expression of life that we've just poured out on someone else. Betty, what, what do you want our viewers to hear? Here we're in the very last week of mission feeding. And I'm, to be honest with you, we need a miracle, what I would often call a year-end gift, where people say, you know what? I want to make the greatest gift I've ever made. And when I tell you we've got the sources and places to place it, to be a miracle for people, I'm not exaggerating. Betty, what do you want our viewers to hear and feel as they pray about meeting needs like we just saw and witnessed? You know, as I watched and listened to that mother, her heart's cry, she was calling out to God, God, please spare this baby that is now in my arms. I've lost one. I don't want to lose this one too. And she's very vulnerable to what God wants to do in her life. And she's asking for help. We can be a part of that help. We can be a part of that hope by reaching out and getting food to these precious little ones that haven't had a chance to live life. And for these mothers that so love their children that they would give, give their own life for them. Please join with us. Would you please just uh, go and get a bank card or get a check? If you get a bank card, use it like a check. But I want to ask you to do this. I want you to go online or dial the phone number there. That's, that's a prayer line. And I want you to turn that prayer line into an answered prayer line, a miracle line, a, literally a lifeline. And would you call and say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give hope and life for the next months to at least 10 children or five children or three children, whatever you can do, because we can feed 10 children
for the next several months for $100 when you paid five for 50 and three for 30. Now, 30 is not a small gift to the three children who will receive health, and nutrition, and perhaps life. But if you could help 10, would you please? If you could make the greatest gift you ever made, make a great year-end gift. Please do it, Father. Direct everyone to do what you want them to do, and you'll enable them to do it in Jesus' name. You know, a $1,000 gift to feed 100 children. There's a level at which I think every one of you who are watching can participate, would you? We have some beautiful gifts to send you to say thank you. And so we're asking you right now, go get your card or get your check. You make a check, make it to life, but call the number and tell us what you're mailing. We need to know. We've got to tell the missionaries. Yes, we have the resources, and they totally depend upon us. In a sense, they depend upon you. So would you make the gift right now, please? Or call the number, make the gift. If you put it in the mail, call us and tell us what you're mailing. Thank you so much. Mission Feeding began with a promise to be there in times of crisis for thousands of hurting and hungry children in their time of need. Now more than ever, we need your help to save lives by feeding and caring for children across the continent of Africa. With food reserves gone and many areas experiencing severe famine, we urgently need to replenish our supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your gift of love can be the miracle answer to a desperate mother's prayer. Call now with your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 that will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift, we'll send you the Altered Worship CD by Anthony Evans. This powerful full-length album includes unique versions of some of today's most cherished worship songs that are sure to uplift and inspire you. With your gift of $100 or more, please request the Filled with Faith and Joy travel mug set. These 12-ounce mugs are crafted with large handles, double-layered insulation, and vacuum-sealed lids to prevent spills. Each mug includes a message to remind you of God's blessings and faithfulness. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request our commemorative bronze sculpture, Safe in the Shepherd's Arms. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. You're going to be blessed by Anthony Evans' incredible gift, his voice and the message and the songs that he sings. And during these uh, cooler months, you're going to enjoy a warm drink in the uh, faith cup or the joy cup. And then, of course, we have in the shepherd's arms, the beautiful bronze. For those of you who can make a $1,000 gift or more, and I hope you will, if you'd like to have uh, Ashley's uh, book, Rise of the Truth Teller, uh, and you say, would you send it to us? We're going to help you be an answer to somebody's prayer, James. Would you please send us the book? I think it could help us or somebody we know. We'll be glad to. Again, would you join me in Betty and saying thanks to Ashley for blessing us. Ashley, we really appreciate it. I pray God opens a lot of doors and just continues to bless you and those two boys and your husband. God bless you. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you. Remember, last week, Missing Feeding, we really do need to hear from you. Thank you so much.
Tomorrow on Life Today, Pastor Jimmy Witcher helps us find our identity and purpose in the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.